Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos, The Unabomber, and Pizzagate. Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. For this week, we focus on a reclusive genius turned serial bomber and the terrifying conspiracy known as Pizzagate. Get ready for scary mysteries, Twisted Twos. Number 1. The Unabomber Hailed as a prodigy, Ted Gazinski was only 16 years old when he was admitted as a student to Harvard University. Born to Polish-American parents in Chicago, Illinois, Ted was the eldest of two children. When he was nine months old, he suffered a severe allergic reaction that forced his parents to hospitalize him, where he was then placed in isolation. Despite being a baby, his mother would write that after he got out of the hospital, Even though healthy now, he had become unresponsive and acted as though he was still in isolation. Ted's elementary years were considered normal by his own account. Then in fifth grade, he skipped ahead two years for having an IQ of 167, which is well above the genius level. This change had a pivotal impact on him and he began to withdraw, feeling out of place amongst the older kids. Ted was bullied because of his small frame and for being younger. 
When he entered Harvard at 16, he studied mathematics, and many of his dorm mates described him as a quiet, reserved young man. It was on campus where he participated in a questionable psychological experiment put together by Henry Murray. The test subjects were told they would be debating personal philosophy with other students, but instead they were subjected to personally abusive attacks. It's believed that his participation in this was a crucial trigger point for Ted's actions later in life. He went on to teach math at the University of Michigan and at 25 years old was considered the youngest math professor working there. However, on June 30th, 1969, after just two years of teaching, he abruptly resigned without any explanation. After he left his job, he moved back to his parents' home in Illinois before moving out again two years later. This time, he moved into a small cabin just outside Lincoln, Montana. He lived a simple life where he had no electricity or water and attempted to be self-sufficient. He would support himself with odd jobs here and there. Despite initially being successful at living an autonomous lifestyle, he soon realized it was nearly impossible to continue the same way as he saw the continuous destruction of the areas around him. In particular, he recounts one place he always loved to visit to gain some peace of mind and the anger he felt when it was destroyed in order to build a road. This was the final straw and started a chain reaction in him where he turned to a life of crime and terrorism. In May of 1978, Ted sent his first mail bomb to engineering professor Buckley Christ. Buckley received the package, but was immediately suspicious and called campus police. A security officer opened it, and it exploded, causing minor injuries to the officer's hands. Soon he turned his attention to bigger companies, primarily United Airlines. He sent two bombs, one in 1979 which failed to detonate in flight, and again in 1980 which was sent to the president of the company. He also sustained injuries when it exploded, but luckily he survived. By this time, Ted was dubbed as the Unibomb, short for University and Airline Bomber. However, his identity remained unknown to authorities. Kaczynski's homemade explosives soon got more sophisticated. By 1982, he sent another bomb to a university that caused serious injuries to two people. There was a momentary lull for a few years before he showed up again in December of 1985. This time, his bomb killed a computer shop owner. His capture finally came in 1995 when the now infamous Unabomber demanded that major newspapers like the New York Times publish his 35,000 word manifesto. Although the FBI was hesitant, they thought someone out there might recognize his writing style and words. In the end, their gamble paid off. David Kaczynski's wife, Linda, was the first to bring his attention to the manifesto and thought it was similar to his brother Ted's stance and writing style. Initially doubtful, David soon confirmed his wife's suspicions and contacted the FBI in 1996 about the possibility that his brother could be the Unabomber. On April 3, 1996, Ted was finally arrested at his cabin home in Montana. Inside, the FBI found one complete bomb that was ready for mailing, various bomb parts, and 40,000 pages of his journals, including details about his various crimes. 
Despite insisting that no insanity plea be entered and that he would represent himself, Ted accepted a plea deal, admitting guilt to 13 federal bombing charges in order to avoid the death penalty. In total, he caused 23 injuries and 3 deaths and is currently incarcerated in a Supermax facility in Florence, Colorado. Number 2. Pizzagate Although it's been widely debunked, Pizzagate nevertheless caused havoc, suspicion, and even led to one shooting incident. Pizzagate revolved around the conspiracy theory that various Washington officials, particularly Hillary Clinton and her campaign manager John Podesta, were involved in a widespread pedophile ring. Meanwhile, the pizza chain Comet Ping Pong became central in the conspiracy, having been used as an area for DNC fundraisers before and having close ties with the Democratic Party. The conspiracy alleges that the building was the exact location of the pedophile ring, most likely because its owner, James Elefantis, is closely identified with right-wing politics and was even named as one of Washington, D.C.'s top 50 most powerful men. This conspiracy first sprouted in October of 2016 near the end of the presidential election. A Twitter account linked to a white supremacist group claimed that the NYPD had seized Anthony Weiner's laptop during the sexting scandals he was involved in and discovered a pedophile ring that was tied to the Democratic Party. Soon, attention and interest turned to John Podesta's emails that were leaked alongside Hillary's. Unable to find anything substantial, a theory was proposed that the ring and those involved used code words while communicating. Incidentally, the term cheese pizza was an inside joke among 4chan users referring to child pornography. Basing it on the various times generic food was mentioned and other minute details, the conspiracy soon soared and was heavily spread in social media and in various online forums. Soon, Comet Ping Pong, a kid-friendly establishment, became the center of attention as it was supposedly the main hub where everything was happening. More than child sex trafficking, the conspiracy also states that the same people and establishment are involved in satanic ritual abuse, even going as far as saying it was somehow tied to the Madeleine McCain disappearance. The story was picked up by various fake websites and spread, even international media, particularly those in Turkey, pushed for the story to become front and center. It wasn't long before employees and the owner himself began receiving death threats and were constantly being terrorized by those who believed the conspiracy to be true. It wasn't just Comet Ping Pong that had to fend off attacks by those who believed in the existence of the sex ring. Various establishments in the surrounding area also received a fair amount of hate and harassment. This extended to the artists who frequently did murals for Comet Ping Pong as well as the bands that managed to play at the establishment. The Pizzagate scandal was thrust into national news on December 4, 2016 when 28-year-old Edgar Welch marched into Comet Ping Pong with a semi-automatic rifle and fired three shots. According to Welch, he went there to self-investigate the theory to see if child sex slaves were indeed harbored inside. He said that he had read about the theory online and after his arrest, he was sentenced to four years in prison after pleading guilty. 
another person was also sentenced to jail in relation to the theory. Yusuf Lee Jones called Besta Pizza, which is on the same block as Comet Ping Pong, threatening the owner just three days after Edgar Welsh's attack. Despite the guilty pleas, many people believe the attacks were staged to help discredit the investigation. The conspiracy itself has been widely debunked by various agencies, including the New York Times and Snopes.com. Various news organizations and even the Metropolitan Police Department of the District of Columbia also call it fictitious. Despite this, there are still some who believe that Pizzagate is a very real, satanic, pedophile ring. So those were two of the most reclusive and strange stories around. The world can be a crazy place and Twisted Twos is sure to show you why. If you enjoyed this video, then please subscribe to our channel so we can bring you new scary and strange stories every single week. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.